Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Girls Like Us, the podcast that asks the question, what does a degree in literature get you with the answer, a podcast about children's books. I'm Franny. I'm Sophie. And it feels like a national holiday today. This is a return to form. Truly. This book rocked. This was awesome. I loved every second of reading it. Me too. Usually I sit down to read these books, like, or at least after we got through, like, the first arc, I sit down to read these, and I'm like, this could be, you know, the worst three hours of my life. But this one, I was excited every time I went back to it to pick it up. I was, like, genuinely wondering what was going to happen. Like, usually I'm, like, dreading like every single page I turn, I'm like, this is like, this is torture. I like am looking at my phone. I'm like trying to like do anything to distract myself from right. it. But this book really loved it. It was genuinely a page turner. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And there were twists that I did not expect. Same. Yeah. And there were ones that actually felt smart. Real. And yes. And planned out <laughs> in a and way maybe we that- owe her an apology. Because no, I'm not like ready to say that. You're not ready to say that. No. Because I'm like, some of these things that ended up getting tied up in a nice little bow, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, she actually did, you know, have an idea of it. And I think that we've accused her of not. And I'm not saying that for every I plot still point, have questions. But, I still have okay. questions about some things, like, in terms of, like, whether or not they were planned that I want to get into. Mm. This is, obviously, today we're talking about Deadly, which is the are, you know, current Pretty Pretty Little Liars book. It's the 14th book, which means we still have two more books before. It's their 16 books in this series, so. Yeah, something about this book. So, you know, just as a quick, essentially why we're talking about why we like it, everything we've been asking to happen in these books for like the last five books Mm -hmm. finally happened. And my question is like, why this particular book? Like it's- Yeah, like me too. All the stuff, like this, all everything that happened in this book could have happened three books ago. Yeah, or I, I would also say that it could have happened in the next book. In the that's what I mean. Book. I don't know, and that's what's exciting is I don't know where these next two books after this are going to go. Same, and that's what seems really interesting yeah. about it is that like now it seems like what else could possibly happen. Yeah, so that's- I think for. I think for this one, I would like to just read from the wiki and we can just kind of talk about it as we go. Because I want y'all, as the listeners, um, there are a lot of little things that wrap up in this book and I want to make sure I'm not bungling them. Yeah, definitely we will look at that. The main thing, so it starts with, um, you know, we always get these little opening, Mm -hmm. like, prologues. Um, And the prologue in this book it's different from all of the other ones because it's from Allison's perspective mm-hmm. of what happened during the fire that was set in Wanted. So I kind of want to... You want to read a little bit of it? I do kind of want to read a little bit of it, but I want to make sure... So this is like... I, it, there, there just was a lot. Right from the first sentence of like what was going on, it was... I was curious about what the author was doing for multiple reasons. So the first mm-hmm. sentence of this this novel, Deadly, is, Remember when you learned about omnipotence in English class? It's when a narrator is all-knowing and can see and hear everything. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal, right? Sort of like being the Wizard of Oz. Which, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, well, also not true. We know. Someone hasn't seen the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. He actually that, doesn't know everything. Right. That, that's, like, essentially the... The crux yeah. and theme of that book. It but should say, sort of like being like, I'm Arlene King. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
and so it goes, you know, the book starts off like I immediately was like, because I've been so beat down by these, like the last five books, I was like, okay, what is the meta narrative that like this is establishing mm-hmm. and like, where the fuck are they going to try to take us? Um, mm-hmm. And so essentially it rehashes the Poconos fire from Allie's point of view and the fact like it establishes that in fact that she did have a helper Mm-hmm. Um, that it was the love of her life and that he was, like, waiting for her in the woods to, like, set this fire. Like, he had boarded up all the windows. Yeah. And she was just going to, like, uh, drop the match, essentially, and just run out and go meet him. Yeah, but she got caught in the room. Exactly. So my question for you as I was reading this, because uh, as I'm reading the prologue, you know, I'm still coming from a very skeptical point of mm-hmm. view. Sarah Shepard does not have me back on her side yet. Do you feel like this rehashing of the Poconos fire... Like, do you think this is what actually was in the author's head when she wrote the original? Yeah. Do you think there's any way? You I, do? I think so because they left it. They never found a body. And I think that the one thing that I was like, I think Allie would have planned this better. It was like, oh, um, Allie's family bought this after she was already in the preserve. So she doesn't know the layout of the house that well. To that, I was like, well, she would do, have done her research. We know she's thorough. Also, um, she's clearly spent a lot of time in that house because Ian's body was there and she had deposited Melissa there. Yeah, exactly. So that didn't totally make sense to me, but um, I, I guess I don't know this off the top of my head, but I believe that that Allie prologue book in which we meet her lover Nick. was written, yeah, was written like right after Wanted or right around there. So it wasn't, it was way after it was way after. I'm almost positive. Let me fact check that really quick. But it was not, I'm like right. nearly positive that that actually came out after the ones that we're reading right now. Okay. Um. Yeah, that came out January 2nd, 2013. So it came out as these ones were being released. Okay. And this one I think was also 2013. Yeah, this one okay. may, may have also been January 2013. So... That's that was why I was. I guess suspicious that's why because they yeah because all of the sudden like remember and now we might forget now but like remember how jarring it was when we read the alleys Pretty Little Lies like yeah and it was just like what and like there was so much that was definitely like um, retconned in yeah yeah and that's just what I wanted to flag about this beginning one because to me it felt very very retconny and like the fact that like like I believe yes that the author left ambiguity in wanted so that she could go back and think about Mm -hmm. it in a different way but it felt there were certain things like the timeline that weren't fully things that made sense so I'd like to just you know go ahead and get to the the meat of I think what impressed us both about this the character reveal. So we're talking about Nick, right? Yeah. Nick is Allie's boyfriend that she met at the preserve. He's also who has helped her kill a few people. Um, he helped her kill Courtney. Um, ex- I'm so sorry. You have to go back. He helped her kill Courtney, Allie, Chad. Oh my God. Oh my sorry, God, that's, that's embarrassing. so embarrassing. That's so it's like when you forget a language that you yourself I know. invented. Yeah. Um. So we learn that this character of Nick, who has been Allie's helper for the past couple of books since they went to Jamaica, he has also been Olaf. He's been the bartender who served Hannah and the girl that she got in the uh, car crash with. Sorry, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We have to go back. You, it's He was Gayloff. 
Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, he was Galoff. Oh my God, that's so embarrassing. He was Galoff. And yeah, he's the bartender. And then he was Phineas, who was um, Spencer's Adderall dealer. And finally, he was Derek, who was Emily's friend at her like fish Emily's fry. Emily's gay friend. Emily's at gay the fish friend. Fry. And honestly, the only reason that I was like, okay, this is going to be Derek is is Nick was because um, they mentioned Derek a lot in this book. And I was like, yeah. why are they mentioning him? But I didn't guess that he was going to be Olaf. And I think I guessed that he was going to be the bartender. But I didn't guess that he was going to be Olaf or Phineas. I had the, that's funny, because I had the exact same thing. Where, like, yeah. I knew from almost the first time that they were talking about Derek that, like, I'm like, right. why do they keep bringing up Derek? Especially with Emily, because anyone who Emily knows and likes turns out to want to kill her. So. Exactly. <laughs> And that, do you remember like two, two books ago, two or three books she ago? She ran into him. And I made a big deal about Derek. And I was yeah. like, why the fuck is Derek in this book? Like, I yeah. was so pissed off because that book was a slog. And I like the inclusion of Derek was like <laughs> my last straw. So I knew definitely like when that happened, yeah, that, that something was-, was going on with Derek. And same thing with the bartender, only in this book, because they kept being like, the way he looked at me, the way he looked at me, the bartender, wait, he was actually encouraging us to drink. He right. laughed at me when I said we should get a cab. Like, definitely that. I was genuinely shocked by the Olaf thing, because it's like, yeah. this man is an actor. <laughs> like, No, he really is. And the thing beyond that is like, I don't know what disposable income they're using, but it's not that easy to, like, get a job. And for at least two of these scenarios, he has gone out, he's gotten jobs. And he worked for Gail, Tabitha's mom. So This man is, like, arguably, like, the most employed man ever. Yeah, it is, like, the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. The talented Mr. Derek. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he's doing a good job. Um, And, yeah, it's, and also I loved the fact that um, he and Arya made out. I thought that that was yes. a nice little, like, extra, like, turn of the knife. Yeah, exactly. But it just, it leads me, because, you know, ultimately, essentially, like, we know his fate, you know, mm-hmm. based on this book. And I it does, you know, just to play devil's advocate. Derek's advocate. A little bit. <laughs> to play Derek's advocate a little bit. I, like... It is kind of, like, all of a sudden, like, we have this big reveal that, like, he's this character. Like, this guy has been, like, Nick mm-hmm. all along. And now he's just kind of, like, well, he's been arrested. So, right, like, he's I just kind of been to, disposed of. Yeah, and I think we're also supposed to believe that because Allie gets away at the end of this book after she tries to kill them. And she kind of had set up Nick so that if the plan failed yeah. that he would go down. And I think we're supposed to believe, and I guess we'll see if this is true in the next book, that he is not going to rat her out because he's so in love with her. Uh, but I also, de- I don't even know, though, if if him ratting her out would matter. Like, at this yeah. point, like, to go back to, like, that first, the first sentence of this book that I read when we started our discussion, at this point, even though this book does so much right in that it, like, it gives us action for the first time in, like, four or five novels— and it finally shows the girls making decisions that seem realistic while also still staying true to their characters. It doesn't do anything to be like to humanize Allie at all or to make it seem like there's even a possibility that Allie gets caught. Like at the end of this book, she still evades capture by the police in ways that are like, like, 
to go back to that idea of omnipotence. Like, she's, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, she's still untouchable. She still has almost, like, this superhuman right. ability to, like, stalk them and and try to kill them. Exactly. But I do like that at least now we get to see her perspective at the beginning and the end of the book. Because it does, you know, I, I still don't think it would be physically possible for he, he, she to be in all these places at once. But it makes sense now that we know that she has a helper. But the other thing is that I think that it demystifies her a little bit in that we see that she is she just wants these girls dead. She hates them. But she's, that's, and the that's thing. all she has to live for right now. That's what we saw in Wanted, though. Like that was like what yeah. we that was what we argued about in that idea of like whether or not there actually was any like desire between right. her and Emily. Like that is what bothers me. The fact that it's like she even though, like, she knows this is essentially a suicide mission, she wants these girls dead, and I still cannot you don't get fathom. It's just, it's, well, I can fathom it because it's it's the sociopath excuse. It's the mental illness excuse. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, it's lock her up. Illness. <laughs> yeah. It's mental illness, love. Like, it really is, though. Like, there's nothing, yeah. like, there's still nothing character-wise besides her being quote-unquote crazy that, would cause her to want to kill them. I I disagree because I think that this is what Allie thinks. In her mind, everything that's gone wrong is based on these girls. And after the fire, she's lost, you know, some of her beauty in theory because she like she has like a rotting tooth. They keep bringing up that she has this like this stinky little tooth. Which how would a fire cause that? I'm I know, not sure. It, I don't think it would. Um And then, you know, she has felt like because of the burns she sustained, like that's like, you know, she, she, her thing has always been control and power. And with these girls, she feels like she doesn't have as much control and she wants to establish that. So I'm not saying that it makes sense, but I don't, I also don't think that she does think it's a suicide mission. I think that she thinks that she's going to get out of it a-okay. And, and cause she's like, oh, I need to get that power back. I need to have someone else who's under my spell. Right. And either she realizes this or not. I think she realizes it personally from my interpretation, but Mm -hmm. she's always, she's already broken beyond repair. Like she is already irreparably damaged with. She can't go back to her family. She she can't go back. Right. Her whole body is burned. She's got a stinky little tooth. Like (laughs) it's like she, whether or not she actually realizes it, like her life is essentially over and if she does yeah. get either she's as gonna far, die as much as that's what she the things that to her made her life worth living have been taken away exactly so she really doesn't yeah what i did like so a's plot throughout this book and i loved this and i caught on to it but eventually but at first i didn't a's plot in this book is she wants them to um Throughout the book, all all the girls, like, people in their family have been like, hey, like, I'm getting notes and, like, that you're going to hurt yourself. And um, the girls don't know why. They just think it's, like, a rumor that's going around because there's a rumor that when they went out on that lifeboat, that was a suicide pact. But the um, funny thing about that, like, as soon as somebody gets a note saying that you might hurt yourself and you right. have a person out here whose main MO is sending notes threatening to kill you, like, right. you don't make that connection yeah. that it's Allie sending those notes. I like, that pissed me off. The red herring there was that Sean Ackard, like, gave them, like, gave one of them, like, a pamphlet and was like, come to church, don't hurt yourself. So, basically, and they, the girls don't, I don't know how they don't catch on to this, but, you know, Allie's plan is to stage, make it look like they killed themselves. 
And she brings them at the, we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but at the end of the book, in her lair, she's made this whole shrine to herself. And the goal is to make it look like um, the girls were like so obsessed with her um, that they lied about her being alive and then killed themselves. Yeah. Um, which I was like, that's a nasty little plot, eh? You're doing yeah. a little trick. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fun. I didn't appreciate, because in this book, this whole book is essentially about them all of a sudden getting smart, where mm-hmm. essentially they get called in to, they get arrested on murder charges for Tabitha. Yeah. For um, Tabitha. Well, they're so, being, but they come clean to the FBI. Exactly, because they've been arrested. Yes, by Officer Kevin Gates. Do you know who the real person named Kevin Gates is? No. He's the guy who sings the song that's like, I got two phones, one for the plug and one for the load. But he also sings a song that I have added to my iPod, even though it's uh, bonkers, which is the song that's like, you're the only one that magic could get hard for. Oh <laughs> I'm confused God. what the fuck you want my heart for. So that's, oh I, I like God. to imagine that this is Kevin Gates that's pre- Yeah. Yeah. So finally they admit, like, based on all of these, like, charges that are piling up. It's no. No. It's before they get arrested for the murder of Tabitha Clark. They get basically brought in and being like, okay, finally someone gets smart. And it's like, it's you girls that are connected to all of these killings. Mm -hmm. Emily, we know you tried to uh, sell your baby on the black market. Hannah, you hit that, like, you got into a car crash and you left that girl's, like, chunky, lifeless body there. (laughs) Why chunky? (laughs) I was thinking of Chunky more in the sense of it was just, like, essentially, like, made up of chunks and, like, flopping around. Yeah, like, Um, she's, like, a little test track dummy. Exactly. Like, she's just kind of, like, more lumpy than Chunky. Okay. Um, And, like, Spencer, we know you, like, ratted that girl out for, like, the the Adderall or, excuse Mm -hmm. me, the Easy A. Like, they get brought in and they're like, so what are we going to do about this? And, And Spencer's, like, basically is, like, tells Agent Fuji the main FBI agent involved in all of this about a, Mm -hmm. and then all of the girls as what would happen if this happened in real life, get like security details. Right. And they, they bargain basically. They're like, we're going to tell you what happened, but you can't, you can't charge us for any of this. If we help you with this, which I would say that like, get that shit in writing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So agent Fuji gets everybody set up with, the security detail in exchange for this information to me, you know, if I'm being judgmental, like this information that Allie might still be alive, or at least they're being stalked by some form of a, like yeah. definitely is not worth like what Hannah did or maybe even no. like what Spencer did. Like, I, I think it's worth it that they know how she, how Tabitha that they pushed her off the cliff. Yes. That does give them a lead. And yeah, I don't, it's probably not worth it either, but I guess people are like in the town of Rosewood are like, there's a serial killer on the loose. We got to get them. Right. Um, Which I'm like, imagine like, should we like filter this for a second through the view of like a regular ass Rosewood (laughs) townie? Like what does a regular Rosewood townie, like what is, how much do they know about this situation? Let's say like at the They've all seen Pretty Little Killer. Right. The made for TV movie. (laughs) Exactly. So they've all seen Pretty Little Killer. And to them, like, just a bunch of random people are, like, dying all the time. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, are they, do they believe that these killings are indiscriminate? I don't know, because I think about that, like, okay, this is a little scenario I'd like us to to imagine. What if they had the Citizen app in Rosewood? 
Oh my God. <laughs> but it's all just like black hoodie spotted, like walking down street. <laughs> I think that like, I just, I have a more like, I guess, pessimistic view where like Rosewood is like t- 100% like over policed. Like there are right. cop cars it's on It's like every a corner. suburb. I guess for that to happen in a suburb, people would probably be like, yeah. It's like not a very big city. Right. You know? Uh, right now, it just it made me think about it because right now I'm reading and I'm trying to read. Sarah Shepard has this like one-off novel for adults called Reputation. Yeah. Um, where it's, you know, a murder occurs Ooh. similarly. Yeah, Sarah Shepard in her Reputation era. Yeah. Um, a, a murder occurs in a very similar small town in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And it is, and this is part of the reason why I'm not willing to like let her off the hook. It is mm-hmm. genuinely so poorly written that it's like hard to get through like it's like it truly makes me question in ways I never questioned with like click books or like any of Lacey's writing like what the fuck is going on in this woman's brain and like is like if you've read the book like you probably know what I'm talking about but it's it's just so like is this the one where the girl is like pretending to be someone like she has memory loss no this is one like it's a more recent book it's essentially like takes place at this, like, small elite college in, mm-hmm. like, the Pittsburgh area. Well, that's fun. Yeah, and the, and the servers for the college all get hacked, and everybody's emails who goes to the college or who works for the college end up, like, on a public server. Oh, so this is also, I think, what that PLL spinoff that had Mona and Allie in it is, is based off of. Does someone get murdered in that? Uh, yeah, there is a murder, I believe. Of I forget doctor. what it's called. Um, I don't know, but th- that's, I mean, it's in a college town and it's like everyone's secrets are getting shared. Yeah, um, so maybe it's like somewhat based off of this, but basically what happens is the emails are hacked and maybe we'll talk about it on Patreon. And the, this, all of a sudden this like very handsome young doctor ends up murdered. And the doctor's emails, like it had been a scandal the day before he got murdered because he had been like cheating on his wife with somebody over email who was like at least posing to be like a very young girl. Yeah. And like that's the whole They've book. only been cheating over email. Like they've been cheating in real life but then sending dirty emails to each other. So like the oh, dirty yeah. emails get published and then like he okay. gets murdered. Okay, uh Tom Girardi and whoever he cheated on Erica Jane with. A quote unquote cheated she, on quote unquote <laughs> Erica like, Jane. I with. have a rich boyfriend. Yeah. This like, like old woman sending all these texts. Right. So I just like and also, I just looked it up. It's There's another, The Perfectionist is also based in a college town, and that's what the TV show is based off of. And it's not Pretty Little Liars, but it's made Pretty Little Liars by the TV show? Yeah, they they are extending the universe. Um, the original books were not Pretty Little Liars, but they added Mona and Allie, because uh, Mona is an administrator at the college, and Allie is an English professor. And don't Ugh. you think that they would be like, no, Mona, you can't work here? <laughs> Maybe yeah. the records have been scrubbed. Also, like, no, Mona, you cannot work in any job where it's like you have you have a security access detail. to a computer. Exactly. Like, yeah, I think well, we should talk about this clearance. on the Patreon. But like the idea of like a background check, like she would be like, they'd be like, no, like we cannot give you any. It's like if you want to work for the freaking like FBI or something like they they're like, have you smoked weed ever? And you right. say yes. And they're like, no. Exactly. And if you lie, they'll find out. Right. Exactly. So. She like. I don't know. I just, I'm still very wary about, like, the whole I want more Sarah details Shepherd on this book. Of it all. So just said, like, what happens? Like, 
I haven't, I'm only like halfway through it. And like, so far the only thing, like, it's really hard to explain because it's told through like the perspective of like six different characters okay. and it switches off like different chapters. And so all of these characters are somehow connected to this doctor who's gotten murdered. Mm-hmm. One is his wife. One is his wife's sister. One is this like nurse he had an affair with. One is this student he had an affair with. One is, Damn. he's having an affair with everyone. This doctor Right. It's like, spend some more time on your medicine or whatever. How do you exactly. have this much free time to cheat on your wife this much? Right. But it's it's just, like, it's too much. And, like, the specific, like, writing of it really suggests that the author is, like, only interested in being, like, isn't it fucked up what these people are doing? Like, it's not mm-hmm. anything beyond, like, trying to scandalize. And that's kind of, yeah. like... That's kind of the same thing I'm getting out of Pretty Little Liars at this point. Like, yes, at least everything is, like, happening. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that Sarah Shepard thinks of herself as, like, a Rosewood townie or, like, a townie of whatever this town in right. reputation is. And is somehow, like, there's no, like, implication of the author in any of this. Like, she just writes about all these really rich people and is, like, this is what rich people are doing, like, and it's fucking scandalous. And it just doesn't, I don't know, like, yeah. it doesn't feel, like, it's starting to feel very impersonal. I um, get you. And, and, and honestly, like, that has been, like, that scenario you're talking about, and I do like it more now, but that was my issue when I first started watching White Lotus, honestly, because I was like, yeah, rich people are fucked up, like, what what does this say about the the author that you're I, I it's just not normally for normally for me it's not that interesting to see a critique unless the author can be like yeah and I also do a little bit of this or like like why do we desire this type of lifestyle right you know even though it's fucked up but did you finish White Lotus no we're on the second to last episode yeah I just it, no, and like, I like it better with every with every episode but the first episode I was like oh, okay and I think that at least in my opinion I think that that's what the first couple episodes like it's very succession like in that way where like right. that's what it's trying to that's like the feeling it's almost trying to evoke of like a familiarity with it that's almost uncomfortable where it's like where like what where could this possibly be going like what mm-hmm. what is like what is interesting about this and that's actually what i feel like these books lack because it it assumes interest in the audience in just like mm-hmm. other people who we've never heard of before right. secrets when we don't know these people right okay that's fair you know what i mean like that's yeah. kind of the precipice of these books is that like everybody has secrets, want to find out about them. And I'm like, well, actually, I really, like, that whole reveal in the last book, the, like, Noel Khan and Allie were, like, in some form of communication the entire time, that was not interesting to me because Noel Khan had never been characterized beyond being Allie's, like, affable, or, excuse me, Arya's, like, affable, stupid boyfriend. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I, like, even, like, certain, you know, like, Emily, at this point, Anything could happen to Emily and I would not feel bad for her just because it's like she's just doing the same shit over and over. They don't learn. Yeah. And even in this book, when they have the appearance of learning. So like we said, they they all of a sudden get this security detail from Agent Fuji and the FBI. Agent Jasmine Fuji and the FBI. My favorite uh, cover band. Exactly. It does sound like (laughs) she's like singing like R&B songs like at like a... R&B songs at, like, a cafe in, like, uh, um, 
I don't know, like the Maldives or something. Like yeah. she's like a resort singer. Mm-hmm. Even in this book, like they are like, they're like, okay, we're going to go in with full transparency. They do what we've been asking them to do for this entire series. And it's just like, then they get arrested basically because what the FBI find in their investigation is that obviously Allie is way smarter than like using her own IP address to send these A messages. So all of them basically are ping ponged back and forth between the girl's own phones. Yeah. Like that's where the source code is. And they get arrested on the for the murder of Tabitha Clark and for essentially like being little liars and <laughs> they get arrested for their little tricks. Right. They're pretty and little tricks. They just kind of like are like they just kind of resign themselves once again to like being hated by everyone in the community. Right. And they don't like they're not like, no, we want representation. Like we want people to like. Well, Spencer's this out. dad's friend represents them, which we haven't seen him in. We haven't seen Peter Hastings in forever. No, but it's also like they don't do anything to like. They don't do anything to fight back. No, they are like sitting ducks, and that's mm-hmm. then how like they end up in that fucking basement. But like, then, no, actually, okay, I would I would disagree because initially they are. And then Emily uh, attempts to commit suicide. And then they're like, okay, we can't, this isn't worth it. Like that, let's fight back. And then, they're, so they're trying to follow A to her lair. And then Noel Khan eventually helps them um, and sends this like signal to Allie. Like when they were dating, the signal would be like, he would go to this website that Allie set up and order batteries and then like give her. <laughs> I was like, why? And what was the name? The name of the website? No, what was the fake name that she uses? Like, her new alibi? Oh, goodness gracious. I don't remember. I could probably find it in my notes somewhere. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, like, I just really, I guess I was very turned off because I liked the direction the book was going in. And I was turned off when then Emily, like, decided to kill herself. Like, I was just like, this is like... This book, like, it flip-flops way too hard. And this is my problem with Sarah Shepard in general. It flip-flops way too hard between trying to be, like, camp Mm -hmm. and then being, like, this shit's real and this girl's gonna, like, commit suicide now. And it's like, what? Like, it just doesn't feel earned at all. It's like, why do we have to be, like, all of a sudden a teenager's trying to kill themselves for what? Yeah. Maxine Peptwell. Oh, my God. It's like Mr. Penny Thistle's, like, wife. Yeah. Um, I want to go to, really quick, there was some really fun stuff about Hannah and her dad in this book. Yeah. And I guess we we said that, like, they follow Allie to her lair. They figure out where it is, and that's how they get captured, right? Right. Which is... Then then that's, like, the brunt of the book, basically. Yeah. That's that's what she wanted them to do. Like, everything... Mm -hmm. Essentially, the point at the end of the book is that everything they thought they did to kind of step outside the A matrix and be autonomous right. in this book was actually just part of her plan, right. which that was fun. Which, to a point, they kind of recognize in terms of like, they're like, well, what if this just leads this? What if this is what she wants? And they're kind of like, oh, we got nothing to lose because we're about to be extradited to Jamaica for the trial, the murder right. trial. I was and also I was like, now you're a lawyer, right? Because you've done one week of law school. Yeah. Is that how it would work? I don't... They wouldn't be tried in the United States? You would be extradited for a murder committed in Jamaica. Like, that certainly is the case. Because you haven't broken the U.S. law. You've broken Jamaican law. Uh, Even though you are a U.S. citizen who Mm. killed a U.S. citizen in Jamaica. Yeah. What I was surprised by was the... One, 
this would never happen for, and I, I say this, you know, obviously keeping in mind like what I'm like mm-hmm. the, the systems that I'm speaking to when I say this for white girls from a rich town in Pennsylvania, the U S would never extradite them to Jamaica. The U S would yeah. never ever under any circumstance extradite for like comply in extraditing for minors to Jamaica. That's just, I might be wrong. Yeah. I might be speaking up, but like in my, like from how I understand the way things work, I don't right. think that would ever happen. I think there would be some kind of like, you would go through some kind of legal thing in the U S yeah. I mean, if you're a listener and like you have a different opinion on this, definitely. I mean, let if me you're know. a listener and you've been extradited to Jamaica, let us know. I just don't see the U S like, the U.S., there are not a lot of cases wherein the U.S. complies in extraditing people to, like, other countries to face Yeah, I, I guess that's why. Like that. uh, yeah, and I, that is why I was confused. I guess I just don't have an understanding of this. But, like, yeah, like, they are U.S. citizens committing a crime against another U.S. citizen. It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't it's matter because it happened in Jamaica. Okay, right, gotcha. exactly. Like, if you and I went to Mexico— and I killed you in Mexico. I haven't mm-hmm. done it. Like, I'm not, I haven't broken the U.S. law. Okay. Because it's, like, it's, um, it's, uh, locational. You know what I mean? It's not, oh. like, it's, you okay. know, if I, I like, you. that's why, like, international waters is such a, a big thing. thing. Because it's, like, in certain areas, like, those waters are not, like, the territory of a certain country. So, essentially, it is, like, you can do whatever you, you want whatever. out there. And, like, no one has jurisdiction over you. Right. Can people, have people, like, historically actually, like, gotten away with murder from doing that? Like, say you committed a murder in international water. Could you come back and be like, guess what? I did it. And, (laughs) but you can't do anything about it. I mean, like, it, there are technicalities, I think, that you can get people on where, like, there aren't a lot of, like, actual international waters. Right. Most waters are, like, kind of claimed or at least, Mm -hmm. like, um, at least patrolled and, like, everything by, like, uh, Some, a military yeah. or, like, something. But there's not much you could do. There also, I'm sure, are rules about, like, well, what if you're on, like, a boat that's owned by this person? That's, like, you can't kill someone on their own boat type thing because right. then that's, like, a, a question of, like, ownership. Um, and, like, then it could be, like, well, if you you could get caught, you could get, you know, uh, this is all shit I'm just speculating on. But, like, then if, you know, if you're on somebody's boat that they own, then they own the boat. And so then, like, if you kill them, that's, like, not good. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, when you're on a cruise ship, the lifeboats are captained by different, you know, random employees of the cruise ship. And they are given a gun and ordered to shoot anybody who doesn't comply with, like, right. their orders on the lifeboat. And, like, that's not murder. Because like, you are just... Ships- yeah, dirt. Right, like, like so if you're like, on a Disney cruise, they do give a gun to Goofy. They literally do. It's yeah, the, and then Goofy's like, oh, oh. <laughs> the lifeboats are literally manned by the entertainment staff on yeah, cruise ships. Yeah, yeah, like that is not an urban. No, legend. no it's like, real. Yeah, that's true. Like they give Goofy a gun for years. I've been saying somebody give Goofy a gun, and they, and they finally, finally did, it. did it. They got all we my letters. We can end this podcast. I don't think right. we have to, now no. that they've given Goofy a gun. Now that they've gun. given Goofy a gun. Speaking of giving Goofy a gun, we finally get, <laughs> I would say a very Goofy scene, but a very fun scene between Hannah and her father and his wife, Isabel. Yeah. So the family gathers, Hannah, Isabel, Tom Marin, and Kate. 
to essentially be like, Hannah is finally, like, Hannah's gotten off the hook with Agent Fuji. She has the security detail now. So she's finally going to come clean to the whole family about what happened in that car with that chunk of dunk girl whose little body <laughs> just got left to flop around until the paramedics got there. And so Hannah comes clean to everybody. With this, like, uh, like latex glove filled with <laughs> chopped pork. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the type of physics I'm imagining when you're like, body. <laughs> Chunk-a-dunk, floppy-doppy body. Um, so she's like, hey, by the way, this is pro- this like might come out because, you know, they are anticipating that A is going to retaliate to them going to the cops by mm-hmm. being, you know, telling everyone their secrets, whatever. And so she's like, this is going to come out at some point. It's probably going to ruin your campaign. And Isabel, Hannah's stepmother, finally turns to Hannah's father and says, I told you this would happen. I told you it was a bad idea to bring Hannah back into your life. Isabel, Mr. Marin looked torn. Isabel's eyes widened. I know you think it too. I know you wish you were rid of her as much as I do. <laughs> and then like someone gets like, like Kate like runs into the room and like is like, Hannah's his daughter. Like, how could you say that? And this whole thing is like happening. Um, and, like, there's this huge, like, family blow up. And then a few pages later, um, he, Tom Marin decides that they're actually going to go on TV and admit to this. Yeah. And they're, like, um, and Isabel says, you want to call attention to this? And Tom Marin says, well, we'll be drawing attention in the right way. Remember, one of my issues is underage drinking. If you're comfortable with it. You can tell your story and support the stricter underage drinking penalties I want to enforce. Read underage fingering penalties right, I want yeah. to enforce. Hannah twisted her mouth. I mean, only- that's why they got in that car crash, because Hannah was fingering her. Exactly. They just Hannah, don't talk girl's- about that, but we run yeah. between the lines. Hannah was fingering that girl's lifeless body with, like, one hand, like, on the wheel. Uh, Hannah twisted her mouth. Only losers wanted drinking laws to be stricter. So in this moment... Where Hannah is facing no consequences from her family and actually being celebrated for the fact that she crashed a car with a random chick in it and left her for dead. Hannah's like, only losers want underage drinking laws to be stricter. She's like, I'd rather go to jail than... Yeah. (laughs) Hannah's like, I just want to fucking party. Like, she's like, I would do it again. Like, that's what I read that section as. Like, her being like, yeah, uh, I'd do it again. We also get in this book, well, and then Hannah finally does stand up to her dad because when they go to jail, when they're arrested for the second time, he doesn't come to bail her out. It's only Hannah's mom. Um, And that did make me sad for Hannah. Um, But also we get a scene, Hannah and Mike, they fuck in this. And then at one point, Mike is like, are you sore? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh. I was so, I hated the Hannah. So basically- And this is classic. This is classic for these books. But Hannah finally, like, Mike is like, babe, I know A's back. Like, I can sense it in your energy. (laughs) He's like, you haven't been yourself. A is the color of your energy, girl. Right. He is. Like, he's like, I know, girl. Like, you don't even have to tell me. I know A's back. Like, I'm going to kill A. Like, I'm going to protect you. And then she tells him everything. And then they fuck. And it's like the classic thing of, like, equating emotional vulnerability with like sexual vulnerability and all of the sudden this man this you're like 15 year old mike is straight up 15 yeah i know this it grossed me out so much honestly yeah <laughs> like, like i cannot i just he's so horny i don't like to see him be like to i don't i want him to keep that all inside of him i don't want him to 
act on the horniness. Right. And he's like, oh, when, yeah, later he's like, babe, are you sore? Like, why did we have to see that? Like, why all of a sudden, like, way too much. Essentially, now I'm complaining too much happened in this book. Like, if Hannah, (laughs) like, all of a sudden wanted to fuck, like, they should have done it in the next book. I mean, it kind of was interesting, though, because this, and this is, I think, what I liked about this, too, is because Mike and Noel, um, in their own ways are like telling the girls like, no, we want to help you. And the girls do learn to accept help a little bit with this. And then we also get the brunt of it where we see like the girls being like scared. Like, I don't want, cause Allie is also like literally like anyone they talk to is like, Oh, you're going to get, um, you're going to get got. Yeah. You're going to get got. Yeah. You're like, don't talk to this random person. Like they're going to get killed. Like anyone they interact with like Walgreens cashier, you're going to be like, don't use those extra points. And Spencer does the classic thing again, where she's been hanging out with this guy, Chase. They're bonding over like his conspiracy theory website because Mm -hmm. he also like thought Allie was alive. And of course, then he like asks her out to go get coffee. And Spencer's like, they were going on a date. I have to wear a nice dress. Like I'm in love with him. Like Spencer, how many times has Spencer fallen in love in these books? A lot. She's kind of a simp. She is. It's this like tall. Bl- th- in this book, they kept mentioning she was tall. Did you notice that? I was like, have they talked about that in other books? No, I don't think so. I yeah, didn't notice that. They kept they ne- mentioned it like quite a few times, like the tall blonde girl. Well, now in the next book, probably it's going to be like, thank God Spencer was that tall. That's the only reason they escaped. Like they're going to equate it. They're like, right. we all knew this whole time that Spencer was tall. So like when they escaped, no one was surprised. She like, reached up on a shelf and got the key off. Right. I'm sure Aria couldn't do that. Right. Aria short, short little black haired bitch. Idiot <laughs> bitch. Trying to be, trying to be blue black hair type of bitch. Yeah. God, I hate Aria. Yeah, me too. She's also annoying in this. And she, I don't know why. She does break up with Noel, but I'm kind of like, like they they straight up break up when she learns that he was in contact with Allie. But I thought, but she doesn't think he's A. So I was like, I don't know. This feels like something you might be able to work out. Right. And I think they will in the next book because they, they do make up a little bit. But um, yeah. So let's talk about the, the mechanics of how the girls get rescued. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Before we talk about this, we have to talk about. I'm so sorry. This is not funny, but it is. Um, we talked about how Emily, after, like, they get arrested on the murder of Tabitha and, like, things seem to be in really dire straits, Emily... When her mom has the heart attack. Yeah, so... Oh, this was so sad. This was so... I'm sorry, but, like, uh, like... Well, these aren't real people, so, so it's okay. funny. I thought it was so funny because, like, this whole... The whole book series has been, like essentially Emily bringing shame and dishonor to her family more so than any of the other girls has to like essentially like like basically Emily gets home from the police station after they bail her out and you know uh the family is basically like wearing barrels like over like they're like (laughs) they have like sold everything in their house they're like like their house is being like lifted up (laughs) (laughs) taken back they're like they literally come home and they're like Emily because of you like your little cousins are like gonna starve yeah. And, like, we all have to move to Iowa now and, like, just see how we can make it work. Like, you dumb bitch. Like, it's because mm-hmm. of your sexual impropriety that this happened. And Emily's mom then caps it off by just, like, <laughs> straight up having a heart attack. And is this before? Uh, does she? I think she has the heart attack after before. Emily and Carol. Okay. Emily and Carolyn get in in a, like, kind of a fist fight because Carolyn's like, you have ruined everything in this family and it's all your fault. 
and then and then, they, and then they that's when like the precious moments yeah <laughs> like a china cab i'm like well clearly you didn't sell anything no and then they all that's break. at least half a mil yeah the precious moments china cabinet are you kidding me and so yeah so they get into phys- a physical fight and then that's what causes the mom to have a heart attack right so the girls get into a fist fight and the mom just is like, ah! <laughs> Emily's mom, who like has been so stressed out, literally since yeah. Maya St. Germain moved in, Emily's mom has been like fixing to have a cardiac event. Yeah. Like this woman is so stressed out. She like works. Like, and I don't blame her too. I mean, if I had a daughter like Emily, if I had a wimp daughter like Emily. Yeah, I know. I, I would know. Be, I'd be stressed out too. Yeah. This poor woman. But also my question is like, They talk about a lot, like, we don't get one mention in these books about, or we don't go one book without a mention of how Emily's family, like, doesn't have a lot of money. One, we should read this as just being, like, middle class, because they live Mm -hmm. in Rosewood, like, they live close enough to Allie's house that, like, Emily walks there, which is, like, that's a mansion, so it's, like, we know Emily's not living in poverty. Right, they have a lot of kids, I think. I think that's the... They have four kids, but now three of them are out of the house on full swimming scholarships. That's true. So that's not an excuse to me. Why doesn't Emily's mom have a job? Like, if they're so worried about money. Do you think it's like an appearance thing? I guess it could be, but it bothers me because all of the other moms in this book work and they work. I I guess I haven't. I don't I don't remember in other books that them saying that they had like they were like poor. They don't say that they're poor, but they always say that they have less money than the other girls. Right. I guess I just interpreted that as like because they had four children versus everyone else has two or one. No, it's very much like it's very much implied that they are more like solidly middle class, Mm. which even more than Arya's family. Ceramic chickens. Yes. Aria's family, where both parents are professors, are somehow making more than Emily's family, who... the We don't know what... In the show, her dad's, like, in the military. Right. And Pam Fields does not work, I don't think. No. Or no, she does. She works at the police station for a little bit. Or is that Ashley or Hannah Marin's mom? Hannah Marin's mom works at the police station in the sense that she lets Darren Wilden hit it to like cover yeah. up for, uh, <laughs> cover up for Hannah's crimes. For when remember, I loved on the show when they like were like, oh, like all this money, and Hannah hit it like in a box of lasagna noodles. That really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, there was like the there were like lasagna talks about lasagna noodles in every episode for like one arc. <laughs> yeah, they were like, where's the you know the lasagna? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where's the, you know what I mean? The lasagna. lasagna. Give me the lasagna. Um, yeah, so that just, like, I, I don't know. So I just, I, Pam Fields, she's had it coming for her for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't like the, like we said before, the Emily suicide attempt thing. I just felt like that was not. I think she's kind of, I think for me, and and I get this, I understood why she was so, feeling drastic because the other girls, their families still support them. Even after this murder charge, Emily's are like, fuck you. Like you can't come see your mom in the hospital. But this is the sixth time that Emily's family has been like, fuck you. We're yeah. putting you on a, like a bus to some but random her place. Never hate been. her hate her now too. But the, Carolyn's hated her all summer. Right. But Beth, Beth hasn't. And Jake, who we've never heard hide nor hair of. We've like, but Beth, he's like, never said anything. We've met Beth one time. Yeah, true. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just don't see how this is different from every other time. Like, Emily literally got pregnant 
right. felt so uncomfortable in her home that she didn't tell anybody and lived on what we find from this book, a dorm air mattress all summer. Yeah. And worked at like a crab shack with Derek, Derek. who was like just pretending to be gay and her friend the whole time. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how this is worse than that. Yeah. This girl I gave don't know. I think it in up. secret. I think I, so too, but I she mean, doesn't like, have, and she's also going to go to jail now. I think is the other thing, and her parents don't care. I think the added legal pressure of going to Jamaica. I get it. I I understand why. I mean, and, yeah, and she's, she's also weak. like, I can't win. Like we did everything we we're supposed to do, and we cannot win. Right. I see it. I just didn't. I didn't appreciate it. I don't think it's a good. Like I feel like it's a cheap thing by the author to be like, and now she like. You know, it's just. Yeah, it's I think not it was right. also kind of though a red herring, though, to be like, right? Idea, but I mean, yeah, that's a bad red herring. No, in a you're book right. For teenagers, what did you think about at the end when Allie basically she gasses them? She has like cyanide, cyanide, yeah, gas, cyanide gas, and she has a gun and she like lifts Emily up and she's like, "Don't you still love me? I need you to say that you love me and like that, like you." What do you think about that? Well, I think she says that because Emily. Emily punches out Nick, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's saying that. She's not saying that, like, because, like, she wouldn't do that had Emily not punched out Nick, right? Okay, that's fair, yeah. It's not like she just, like, I just thought like, that was an interesting up. power thing. Because even though Allie doesn't, like, I, I, going back to Wanted, like, okay, now I do believe that, like, she doesn't, like, have, like, any, like, affection or feelings for Emily. But I like the idea that Allie has been her favorite one to torture because she knows that Allie has liked her the most. Emily is her favorite. I mean, yeah, torture. I'm sorry. Yeah. Emily is her favorite one for Allie to torture. I I agree with you in that sense, but that I read more as like she needed, like she was just trying to buy two minutes so she could like, like kill this girl. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I didn't see that. Like I see the whole thing. Like Emily's her favorite one to like, fuck with with. yeah because one emily is so in love with her and two emily is so fucking weak that like right under no circumstances will she ever fight back against Allie. but that to me was like emily was the only one like everybody else was essentially passed out by that point right Right. so emily was the only one still like worth yeah exactly worth manipulating one thing at the end that did bug me because like we've said we have two books left And the police are like, we arrested Nick. Like, he was the guy who was hurting you. And then they're all like, but we saw Allie. And they're like, no, you didn't. But I'm like, they were, but won't Nick also say, I was with Allie? Well, that's what we were talking about at the beginning. He might or he might not. Right. But I was like, why won't they believe? Like, obviously, like, crazier things have happened in this town. But that's the thing. This whole book rests on this assumption that Allie is somehow above, like, she just like. The law. Yeah, she's above the law and she will never be caught. Like, this bitch should have died 15 times. Why was she in the room with the cyanide with them? You know what I mean? Like, right. how was she, she wants to see us the cyanide? Exactly. Yeah. Like, Well, no, because she had a gas mask on. They had gas masks on. I know, but still, it's right. like, why was she there if Nick was doing it? Mm. You she know what I mean? She wants to see them. She wants to see them die. Right. And that's but her like, fault, too. That's, like, her issue, and that's why she cannot succeed all the time is because she needs to be too involved with it. She needs to fuck with them. She right, doesn't want an easy way for them to die. What I'm saying is the book tries to have its cake and eat it, too, where it's, mm. like, Allie and Nick are in the same room when, like, and then she scurries out moments before the mm-hmm. cops come in. Right. So, like, 
This book both wants it to be like she needs to see it through and she'll still get away. Like that Mm. actually won't affect her until I'm assuming the last book when she either dies or gets arrested. Goes to jail, yeah. She's going to get extradited to Jamaica. They should extradite her to Jamaica. Send her on that long vacation. Um... I know that did, and I'm sure, like, you know, it's probably not, it's not pleasant to be in jail anywhere. But I was like, I guess, like, if I was going to go to jail, like. (laughs) See, we've talked, I talked about this on the podcast recently, my locked up abroad. Yeah, you're, yeah. I would 100, 100% rather go to prison in the U.S. than in Jamaica. I do not know what's going on down there. I, I don't want that to sound like I'm making, I'm making light of it, but it does remind me, I think. We can make light of it in the case of this book. Of, yes. I, I, yeah, but I think what it also reminds me of is um, in Paul Blart, Mall Cop, when the character of Vec is like, I'm going to take you guys to the Cayman Islands. Like, that's his big threat. Right. And that would be genuinely, I don't know. Like, I just live in fear of being locked up abroad. Yeah, like that to me is the scariest thing that could possibly happen because it's like the ultimate level of like, misunderstanding and like lack right. of ability to are, are you gonna see Stillwater? no the matt damon like no. it's like they took what was interesting about the amanda knox story and was like but what if we <laughs> what if it worse? was about the dad what if it was about the white republican yeah i will not see that movie you know what i watched recently what did you, have you seen the green knight i did not i i got out of seeing it it is uh <laughs> It's a capital B boy movie. See, Meg is obsessed with it. That I know. Blows I know my three mind. people, none of whom are boys, who are obsessed with it. That blows my mind because that movie was like truly one of the most disappointing movies I've seen in so long. Mm. That's why it was horny. It was not horny. There I was, there was one like a hand scene. Job. There was one scene with a hand job, but it was like the most like clinical thing. I could have possibly seen Alicia Vikander should not be in movies anymore. Yeah, I don't like she's someone who I always hear her name, but I would not know how to pick her up out of a lineup. But that's the whole point. You know what I mean? Of like that kind of actress. Like Mm. she won an Oscar for the Danish girl. Oh, yeah. Which like everybody won Oscars for because it was like the Academy patting themselves on the back, even though like that movie, you know, is not. Good. <laughs> yeah, did absolutely nothing Bad for trans people. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's just really, I don't know. While we're talking, I just, I would be interested to hear Meg's perspective on it because she I liked was like, the book. She liked the book of it. The it's like based off like, text. Yes. yeah, medieval. T- okay. Well, see, that's, but the you know that that's not how either of our brains work. Well, it's just like, I just really, I mean, obviously, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for Meg. And I have a lot of respect for other people I knew who both liked the movie and worked on the movie. But I can't, I'm like, there were things in that movie that were just so unjustifiably stupid Mm -hmm. that was just like, I don't like, please God. I asked literally a friend of mine worked on the movie and I Mm -hmm. sent him all these questions and he was like, no, like you're right. Like these are questions that were just like not addressed. Isn't Groot in it basically? Yeah. the, The Green Knight is essentially Groot. Okay. That's cool then. Yeah. So, that, so maybe there'll be a know. second one with Baby Groot. Exactly. So if they do a second one with Baby Groot, like, I'm all in. Yeah. Come on. Get Vin in there again. Exactly. If they had made Vin the Green Knight, 
I would be nothing. I would be on this podcast right now singing the movie's praises. Right. But just because you have a cum shot in your movie doesn't mean I'm going to like it. <laughs> you can't get me. I was, I momentarily was like, I'm excited to see this cum shot. And then I had to watch two hours of a movie that was essentially just like Dev right. Patel walking around. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I, I, I feel like I am kind of, uh, I cannot critique what also I haven't seen it. But even if I did, my brain, if anything, and I think this is a problem with with me, but if anything is like set before mm, 1975, I shut off. Me too. I'm like, this isn't how people talk. I wonder if you have this similar issue to me where I see a movie set. So like, obviously this movie is set like, you know, in the dark ages. Mm-hmm. And I, all that I'm thinking about the entire time is just like. They smell. No, that, but also just panic about, like, yeah. what were these people's lives like? Like, I could not have hacked this. The life expectancy here is 40 years old. Like, right. what is the meaning of life type of thing? Mm-hmm. Because, like, this seems so bad that, like, I would not want to be included in that. Right. And, like, my whole thing is that I sit around on my computer all day. And, like, yeah. these, like what is, like, it just causes me watched- to go into existential <laughs> fear. We watched Behind the Candelabra last night, which is, like, based in yeah. the 70s. And, um... Our friend was like, you know, how are they like sitting around like drinking all day? Like, it seems like they just drink all the time. And I was like, they don't have phones to look at. Like, I think a lot of that stuff was just replaced with alcohol. Right, Um, exactly. Like, we just look at our phones all day. It's essentially doing the same same thing to our brand. Yeah. (laughs) Brains. Um, And it is doing the same thing to our brand, too. So before we (laughs) wrap up, what is, um, what would you say, what do you think will happen in the next book? I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. I have no, I have no, if I were to guess, it's like, I don't even know. I don't even have like an educated guess. Like they're going to be hunting down Allie and I don't know like what, like. I think they're going to get a little squad together. Of who? Of Mike, Noel. See? Yeah. Exactly. Like does Emily's family all of a sudden, are they going to like her again? They do like like her again when they're in the the hospital. At the end of this novel? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch on to that. Because they know that she didn't murder. Right. But that's the whole thing where it's like, okay, well, we've had two or three times where they've been exonerated for this murder now. Like, Right. They're going to get accused of murder again. It's that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, like, either they're going to get accused of murder again. Like, maybe Allie's going to turn up, like, bludgeoned to death. Yeah. And they're going to get accused of Allie's murder now. Like, she'll, like, kind of sacrifice herself for the pursuit of just, like, getting these girls, like, totally tortured and in jail. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can see happening. If I'm honest, like, even though this book was a page-turner for me, did I think it was good? No. I I thought it was good. I liked it. It reminded me of the first book. It did remind me of the first book in that it was readable, but I as just well don't. as Wanted, which I really liked. So I all of my favorite this this was a favorite of mine. It's definitely a favorite of mine. I just I struggle to call it good because I just don't. It's like that's fair because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it was any more effort. It's it, in fact it seems like the last kind of four books were more effort to not say all of this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like the whole, the and fact that's what that, made this better because it wasn't as plotting as the other books. It didn't right. have as unnecessarily details. Exactly. Like we didn't have like four paragraphs where they explain who what happens in the last book and like be like, and that remember Little Derek? Killer? Remember yeah. that everyone has watched Pretty Little Killer, the made for TV movie? Right. Like I, it wasn't a lot of like remember. I, I want them to go to Hollywood. 
in the next one. I would love that. If there's all of a sudden a Like a dialogue for loser. Yes. If that happened, I would be like on the ground. Like, I will say this right now. If there is a plot where all of a sudden in the next book or the book thereafter that like one of one or all of the girls like make a movie, I will eat crow because like that would be the best thing. Like if if the next book picks up like six months later and they're like, guys, we actually decided to self-produce a movie about our situation. And it's just BTS of the movie. And like the main characters are like, obviously the girls and then like production assistants and like the writers of the movie. I would 100% love it. Yeah. Same. That'd be fun. Yeah. So that's what I would like to happen. What do you think is going to happen? I, I don't know. I think that pretty early on, I think within the next book, people are going to believe that Allie is alive. Um, oh, Chase would be the other member of the crew. I think they're going to make up. Um, and I think that it's going to be a cat and mouse chase with Allie. I wonder if they're going to be used as bait. But isn't that what something. this book was? I think that they're going to get an upper hand on Allie and then obviously she's going to escape. And then I, I just don't know. I'm like, I am. I hope we hear more from Allie's perspective. I did enjoy that in this book. Yeah, I I would too. I would like to hear that just because like right. it would make everything make a lot more sense. Yeah, for sure. Like where does she sleep? She's in her little townhouse where she well, jerry-rigged. Right. But I mean it's like like how, what's right. the layout? Like what is it what does she yeah. have to do for fun when she's not absolutely torturing these girls? What does she eat? Does she cook? Does she order in? Like yeah. what's going on there? Yeah. Give me like a day in the life of Allie vlog. Give me a morning uh morning routine of Allie. Give me yeah. like a lazy Sunday morning routine. Oh, back she to just, school early yes. fall, twenty twenty one. She just wakes up and like drinks her coffee and like she's her like little I make robe my Keurig, right? I, I go I go into the kitchen and I, I make my Keurig and I use this pumpkin spice creamer. <laughs> um, you know, it's time to. I think this fall, this is the final thing I'll say. This isn't about Pretty Little Liars, but I think I am going to kind of like embrace uh, tradition. And I'm going to just be a Halloween girl this year. And I'm going to have no shame in it. How so? I'm going to be like, will I maybe buy like a pumpkin decoration from Target for my apartment? Yes. Will I make a deal of like watching a lot of scary movies in October? Yes. And that's like a very 2015 thing of me to do, but I'm going to do it. Okay. I mean, I can't say I'll join you in that. Famously, I hate holiday decorations. Yeah. Um, especially Halloween, because here's the color scheme of Halloween. Orange or black. Here's kind of the color purple. story of ha- Halloween. Orange, black, and purple. What? That is not serving me or my home. No, it's not a good look on a human. No. It's not like Christmas, where you can do Christmas in just, like, like white. white and gold, yeah. Yeah, like, I do Christmas, like, white lights only. Yeah. Like, maybe we have some, like, classy red in the form of, like, a bow on the top of the tree. Like, that's Mm -hmm. unobtrusive. That's adding, like, a story that is seasonally appropriate. Orange, black, and purple is ruining the sanctuary that I've tried really hard to make my home be. And that's fair. And I respect you. Thank you. So don't bring that to my house. (laughs) Do not bring your little crate and barrel whiskey glasses with no. little cats on them into my home. Disgusting. Disgusting. An affront to what I believe in. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. We are almost to the end of Pretty Little Liars. And like we'll be doing some fun stuff coming up. So definitely stay tuned. Um, make sure to share this episode on your Instagram, on your Twitter. Let everybody know that you're listening. Take a screenshot. 
We love to see it. Um, so many people have been sharing lately, which has genuinely been very helpful and has lifted my spirits um, in this crazy time. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out our Frolic Sorority Sisters on frolic.media slash podcast. There have been a lot of new Frolic developments lately. So literally just go to that page, give that go check to that link out. I just said and scroll through because I even scrolled through this morning. And there were podcasts that um, just got added to the network that I was like, oh, like, I don't know this one. Like, I want to check this one out. It mm-hmm. seems really fun. So check it out. There's literally something for everyone there. Follow us on social media uh, at Girls Like Us Show on Instagram and Twitter. Become a member of our Patreon. We've had a lot of new patrons recently. They're loving it. Nobody's ever joined our Patreon and regretted it. Um, that's patreon.com slash girls like us show. Um and, you know, send us an email if you got things on your mind. Um, girls like us at gmail.com. Girls like us show at gmail.com. Yes. Girls like us show at gmail.com. And make sure to check out everything from our lovely producer, Camden Stacy. He's, I believe, at Cam Stacy on Instagram. So check him out. He's got lots of fun music. Lots of, if you're in Chicago or in the area and you want to go to shows, uh, he's out here playing shows. So, yeah. Hit him up. And our uh, theme song is by the wickedly talented Leggy. Um, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.